is the start of a new calendar year, and it looks set to be a challenging year and an interesting year for all of us. Whether we are referring to our church, to Brexit, to our jobs or families, or our work in general, I gather from a report that shopping took place well under Christmas Eve this year, and there may well be some big events to look forward to, but others here today will know better than me as to what those events might be. 2017 could well also be a year of change for all of us. Some of those changes we might know a little about in advance, and some of which we will not know anything about until they happen. In an era of economic uncertainty, I know that many people will be entering this year not knowing whether they will have a job by the end of it, and we do not know whether the economy will drag itself to gradual recovery, or whether the next big crash lies just around the corner. It is fair to say that we live in a time of uncertainty and change, and the natural reaction to change on the whole is to fear it and resist it and to try and cling to what we know, whether it is routine or place or people or ideas or certainties. And I'm sorry to say this, and I can assure you that this is not aimed at anyone here present, but people who go to church can sometimes be the most scared of change. Whilst I can certainly understand the desire to avoid change simply for the sake of change, we should also not forget that as Christians, we are the products of both continuity and cosmic, earth-shattering change. We are rooted first in continuity because we are rooted in the ongoing story of God's relationship with his people. And it is useful to be reminded today that that story is not just restricted to the 2,000-year story of the church. Today's reading was the quite understated continuation of the nativity story, eight days after the shepherds departed from the nativity scene, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph undertook the ceremony of having their new baby named and circumcised. We shall think a little more about the name of Jesus, but the circumcision of Jesus reminds us that the story of God's relationship with his people does not start with Jesus, but actually reaches all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament. Jesus was a Jewish baby, and he was circumcised on the eighth day following his birth for the same reason that Jew Jewish babies still are today. And that is because of the covenant between God and Abraham, established in Genesis 17. And Genesis says, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offering offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Throughout your generations, every male among you will be circumcised when he is eight days old. So Jesus stands firmly in the tradition and in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because Jesus did, so do we, which means that we know that whatever 2017 brings for us, we have deep roots that stretch back literally for millennia, and we cannot easily be shaken. However, although we have that continuity, we should not forget that Jesus himself represented considerable change and challenge. 
The very fact that the story of Jesus is told in the New Testament tells us that in Jesus, God was doing something he had not done previously. He was reaching out to his people no longer through the law or the prophets, but through the person of his son. Jesus reinterpreted both the law and the prophets through his own words and actions. He didn't dispense with the Old Testament or even the covenant between Abraham and God, but he fulfilled it. And the early church had a very mixed understanding of whether Christians, particularly Gentile converts to Christianity, were also required to be circumcised. And this led to some very comfortable, uh, very colorful actually, language from St. Paul, which you can look up for yourself. But some of you may be relieved to know that the council at Jerusalem, which is to be found at Acts 15, decided that Gentiles did not need to be unsettled by such requirements. The person of Jesus, the person of whom we are part of as members of the church and as we share communion, does represent both continuity with the old and substantial discontinuity and change. Therefore, we can face change knowing that God can and does use change in creative and amazing ways. Without change, there would be no newness. And without change, there would have been no room for Jesus in the story of God's relationship with his people. And so, as we face both the excitement and the uncertainty of a new year, we have both the stability of all that has gone before, but we also know that God works out his purpose for us through doing new things. And if that is sometimes hard to see at the time, we should remember both the distance and the closeness between the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Finally, we turn our thoughts to the fact that Mary and Joseph did not just circumcise Jesus on the eighth day, but they also gave him the name which the angel Gabriel commanded that they should give him, the name of Jesus. Jesus, a shortened form of Joshua, or Yeshua in Hebrew, was a common name for pious Jews to give their sons. The meaning of names was important, and Yeshua meant Yahweh, God in salvation. Matthew explains that this child is named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The extension of the meaning of Yeshua from God is salvation hints at the baby's divinity. The same applies in Luke's gospel. Although the angel's explanation to Mary is slightly different. The child will be great, the son of the most high, and will inherit David's throne and reign over the house of Jacob forever. This recalls Isaiah's words about a child being born who will inherit David's throne forever being called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. But none of that prophetic motive meaning would be obvious to look at this child, born in a stable in a strange town, looking and crying like any other eight-day-old baby, and I say this with great feeling, with a name that did nothing to draw attention to his future. Only Mary and Joseph knew the particular reason for it, and unlike the naming of John, no one thought it odd. Luke is setting up the story of Jesus' ministry by telling us that although a few people had special insight into who Jesus was, most people thought he was an ordinary good Jewish boy. As the gospel unfolds, people will have to respond to Jesus' actions and his words in order to understand that he is indeed God's salvation living among them. And those who do come to understanding and make the confession that this Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, 
they have the joy of calling his father, our father, Abba. God's name imparts God's blessing. We who bear the name of Jesus today, Jesus now revealed to be the son of God and bearing the messianic name Christ, are blessed in him. We are blessed in him. That is cause for celebration on this feast of the naming of Jesus when we begin a new calendar year of our Lord. And whatever the new year brings, we know this for certain. Jesus is God's salvation for us. His is the name above all names. And he will be with us whatever comes throughout the whole of this year. And even, I believe, all the way to our next celebration of Christmas. God bless and have a great new year. Amen.